Hey guys, Kyle back with Kyle Burrell's Unedited Podcast, episode number 83. Um, today we're going real specific topics. We only have five. We're going to obviously talk Super Bowl 57 first. Um, go through the game, look at the box score, talk about plays and stuff like that. The holding, obviously. Um, then I'm going to do, after that, my updated top 16 quarterbacks post Super Bowl 57. So who I have in the top 16 going into next year. Then we're going into UFC 284. Um, how did I score it? I rewatched it already. Um, overall thoughts of the fight. My pound for pound top 11 fighters in the world today. Uh, in the UFC, sorry. Top 11 pound pound in the UFC. And then what's next for a lot of the main guys in the card. I got two or three options. Three options for... Or actually, I got two options for everybody. I got three options though for Mahajev. Um... One of the first option that I like the most is it's kind of out there. I don't think it will happen, but I'd love to see it. Then we're going to say LeBron is the all time, is the NBA's all time leading scorer. What's the significance of it? And then just going to go through a little resume to remind you guys why he's the greatest basketball player of all time. Then in the end, we're going to get into my 6.0 NFL mock draft, how I would do it, how I would draft it. So a lot, most of these picks will be, you know, still probably um, going, you know, position wise, what I think a team needs, but who I would take. Um, and so we'll have the full, all 31 picks, obviously the Dolphins fourth, there is Chiefs, the draft is official, Chiefs will have the 31st pick, Eagles will have 30th. So let's get right into Super Bowl 57, Chiefs second half comeback, wins them Super Bowl 57 over the Eagles 38-35 in a wild game, it was a really good game, um, Eagles really had their way in my opinion in the first half, um, they scored in almost every single drive I think in the first half. Chiefs then scoring on every, had got scored on every single drive of their half. Uh, would have been three touchdowns and a field goal. Super Bowl. Let's look up the Super Bowl 57. Let's look at the box score. Who I thought played really well. What was surprising to me um, about it. Okay, I don't want that. So some takeaways from what surprised me. Um, okay, can I not find a box score? How, how difficult is it to find a box score here for fucking the Super Bowl? Um, I guess very difficult. How can we not find a box score? I guess we'll try... We'll try Yahoo. Scoring summary. Is that going to give me box? I want box score. I need, po- I need the box score. Um, CBS Sports Super Bowl. They'll have it. They got to have the box score here in CBS. A thing that probably shocked me the most is the Eagles' vaunted defense getting torched and... Uh, Um, not getting any sacks on Mahomes. He was not sacked. Here we go. Finally got a box score. So that probably surprised me. Eagles um, also getting dominated on the run. 158 yards for the Chiefs. Uh, you know, the passing, obviously, Jalen Hurts. They did out-total them by almost 100 yards, but obviously the fumble six was huge. Um... You know, you look at Mahomes. You look at Mahomes. That twenty-one for twenty-seven. You wouldn't expect one eighty-two. You'd expect more, but he barely had the ball in the first half. 
Um, he, you know, he still played a phenomenal game. Don't get me wrong. Um, he also had six carries for 44 yards. Uh, Pacheco had f- uh, 15 carries for 76 and a touchdown. McKinnon had four for 34. They really did whatever they wanted running wise. Um, 158 rushing yards, which the Chiefs did an unbelievable job on the Eagles running backs outside on the Eagles running backs. They just didn't. Jalen Hurts was 15 for 70. That was, you know, and they ended with 115 total. So the other guys only had 45. You know, Gamewell was 7 for 21, Sanders 7 for 16, Boston Scott 3 for 8. Chiefs D-line and linebackers did a really good job when they, the Eagles were running the ball with their running backs. Obviously, Jalen Hurts, you know, one big run. You know, he had a 30-yard run, and that so that was helpful for his yards. I thought the Chiefs did a tremendous job against the run. Um, you know, a uh, guy that was huge, Juju Smith-Schuster, 7 for 53. I think six of those receptions came in the second half, five in the fourth quarter. He was massive for the Chiefs. Um you know, Sky Moore and Kadarius Tony had the one catch. You know, the the two plays they ran where they motioned in, and the, Andy Reid was realizing, hey, they're they're cheating heavy. Their their corners are getting to, into the linebackers. We're going to use that motion, and then they're just going to flat out run out to the flat touchdown twice. I don't know how you get burned for that twice, but they did. Uh, obviously, AJ Brown had a forty five yard touchdown. I thought the Chiefs did relatively good on him. Besides that, Devontae Smith was the best receiver I thought for the for the Eagles. He had seven for a hundred. He was phenomenal. Um, but, yeah, I thought the Chiefs' defense, honestly, stopping the running backs helped them. Um, Jalen Hurts played well. Obviously, you look back on it, you know, that fumble six was huge because the Eagles were really moving the ball um, pretty easily and controlling the time, and that fumble tied the game up, and the Chiefs really didn't do much in the first half. But in that second half, Mahomes or uh, Andy Reid and Biennemi and that coaching staff made adjustments defensively and offensively. You know, at the end of the day, they held them to 11 points in the second half too, and they scored 24. Yeah, they scored in every possession. Um yeah, the, the Chiefs just, I think the halftime adjustments, the experience of Kansas City was able to outcoach the Philadelphia Eagles. You know, Andy Reid just being there, the enemy's obviously been there for a while now. Spags is a, you know, been around the league forever. I thought the, I just thought the experience of the Chiefs coaching staff won them this game. Um, I didn't, I didn't mind Mahomes getting MVP. I thought you could have went with Nick Bolton. I think he had nine tackles and then a fumble recovery for a touchdown. I think you could have went defense aside, but they also did give up 35 points, and Mahomes had to create some magic. Huge run, the 26-yard scamper to get him inside the 10. That was huge. Um, again, I thought you saw two really, just really, really good football teams, uh, two of the best in the business going at it. Jalen Hurts was was. You know, dare, dare I say, fucking incredible, though. Jalen Hurts was unbelievably good in this football game. It won mistake. And it, and you can look back and say that cost him. It, you can look at it and say that. Obviously, he, he said that, you know, if I don't fumble, this game could be different. We could be up 24-7 at half or something like that. Um, but he was unbelievable. He was 27 for 38, 304 and a touchdown, 15 carries for 70 yards and three rushing touchdowns. So, I mean, overall, the dude had 374 total yards and four total touchdowns. He was phenomenal. Phenomenal. He was walk-away MVP if the Eagles won that game. Walk-away. Um, but, yeah, that was a little bit of the box score. Um, defensively, you can look at defense, too. That's oh, I like that. Um, so, yeah, Bolton had eight eight tackles and a touchdown. Um, I thought early on the uh, you know Eagles using Edward or Edwards to guard Kelsey – was a mistake. Uh, he could not guard him. Um, that was a mistake. Uh, but you know, I thought I thought Willie Gay and Nick Bolton were really good. And I know that I know that Trent McDuffie got beat for that long touchdown. I thought Trent McDuffie was really good. You know, I, the Chiefs are so young, and we're going to get into that. We're going to get in and talk about the Chiefs before you know here in a minute. But 
you know, again, so we can go, you know, Jalen Hurd special night. We just talked about a little bit. He was on, he was on another planet, you know, it's crazy that that wasn't enough. Um, but he was unreal and we're going to get into my top 16 quarterbacks heading into next year right now. Obviously that list can change a little bit, but my, my, uh, instant reaction to who my top 16 quarterbacks would be. Uh, so the holding call, um, you know, I, <laughs> one thing I want to address first, well, I'll say this, was it a hold? Yes. James Bradbury even said, yes. He said, I did hold them. I was just hoping they wouldn't call it. Okay. So you, everyone's going to say, well, there's holding on every play and it wasn't called. Okay. Well, again, holdings can, you know, there are, yeah, there is probably a hold every play that's not called, right? James Bradbury, in my opinion, impeded Juju Smith-Schuster getting on that wheel to the corner of the end zone that they wanted. He grabs him immediately on the inside move, and then when he goes to the outside, when Bradbury knows he's beat, he yanks on the inside of the jersey and on the backside. He yanks. That's a hold. That prevent that could have prevented a touchdown. I know the Chiefs probably wouldn't have cared to get a touchdown there. I mean, I guess, no, they would have because it was third down, so they would have loved the touchdown there. That put him up seven, you're guaranteed overtime. Um, but it is a hold. It's a hold at the end of the day, and James Bradbury admitted it. And here's this is what pisses me off when people go, you can't call that in that situation. Okay, well, you're a dumb fuck. Not to be rude, but you're an idiot, right? You're an idiot. Because the rule sets, it isn't a, they don't have the rule book, and it says, oh, but for the final two to three minutes of a football game, the rules, are, rules go out the window. That's not how it works. That's not in the rule book. So should we, so you're saying that call hurt the Eagles, right? That call hurt the Eagles. Of course it did, but he held. But of course it hurt the Eagles. So if you don't call it, right? If you don't call it, how much time was left during that hold? I guess I want to know how much time was left on that hold. That would be, that would, well, I can't remember how much time was left on the hold. Um, they got to tell me. Here we go. Hold on. I'm scrolling down. I'm trying to figure out 515 to go. Okay. I'm trying to figure out what time, how much time was left plays. Okay, here we go. Play. We got plays now. This is four. Okay, so I need to scroll all the way down because it'll probably tell me now. First and goal. Eagles touchdown. Mahomes to Juju. Mahomes incomplete to Juju Smith. Minute fifty four, right? Okay, so let's say let's say they don't call the hold, which hurts the Chiefs because it is a hold and it prevented them from scoring a touchdown. The Chiefs would then have to kick a field goal with a minute fifty four, right? And the Eagles have a chance to go in the game. So if you don't call that hold, you fuck over the Chiefs because it is a penalty. So you're going to get the Eagles fan base or people that bet on the Eagles pissed off because they don't think it's a hold, which it was. Bradbury admitted to it, which then basically. Didn't end the game, but it meant the Eagles were probably not going to get the ball back. Or if they did, they got the ball back. What they ended up getting back with eight seconds. So, you know, it just it's it's a non. You really can't. Your argument is wrong because it is a hold. First off, and the other team gets screwed over, being the Chiefs if you don't call it because the Chiefs have a touchdown. Right? The Chiefs would much rather if if that. The Chiefs would much rather have a touchdown lead with a minute 54 than having to kick a field goal with a minute 54. Up only three, Eagles two timeouts could go down and win the game, right? So the Chiefs would much rather have the touchdown there. So what are you supposed to do there? 
you can't screw over the Chiefs because you cost them seven points, right? You cost them seven points. You don't call it. They get three points, and the Eagles, instead, when the Chiefs got, made their field goal with eight seconds left, the Eagles get the ball. The Eagles would have got the ball with a minute 54, three, two timeouts, and you missed a call that could have screwed the Chiefs out of the Super Bowl. It didn't screw the Eagles out of the Super Bowl because it is a hold. It's a hold. So it didn't screw the Chiefs out of a Super Bowl at all. Or the Eagles out of a Super Bowl. Don't hold. I know you're giving up a touchdown, but would you rather give up a touchdown there? Would you rather give up a touchdown there and get the ball back with a minute 54 and two timeouts? Or would you rather hold and the game basically over? Ask the Eagles that. What would they say? They'd rather probably go back and give the Chiefs a touchdown so they have a chance to go down and score, right? Okay. So the argument is, is not justified at all because you think that, well, it, Holden hasn't been called all game. It's a hold, and at that time, he made a call. Of course it's going to be scrutinized because it's at that time, right? He still held them, though. At the end of the day, he held them, and the ref chose to f- throw that one. He chose to throw that penalty. If anything, you need to complain to Avante Maddox or whoever it was. Who was it? James Bradbury. If anything, you complain to James Bradbury, don't hold. We'd honestly rather probably give up the touchdown, right? And then you get the ball back with a minute 54, two timeouts, down seven. Instead, you got the ball back with eight seconds, down three, no timeouts. Game's over. Don't complain to the ref. James Bradbury put the ref in a situation to make a call, and it was a crucial call. It was third and, it was third and eight, and it was a touchdown. He had him beat. He has him beat, and he holds. I'm just saying that's, that's just how it go. That's just how it goes. I mean... The legacies now of Andy Reid, Travis Kelsey, Mahomes. For Andy Reid, in my opinion, no better uh, play caller in uh, in football history. Get a drink real quick. No better play caller in in NFL history. He's the best. Travis Kelsey, in my opinion, is the greatest tight end of all time. Right, and uh, Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback I've ever seen. Best quarterback of all time. He's the best I've ever seen. Has he had the career of Brady? No, but he's five years in, and he's easily the best player I've ever seen at quarterback. Easily. There's nobody better than him. He's already done, he's already done his career is already on level. If, well, he has the same amount of league MVPs, but more Super Bowls and more Super Bowl MVPs than Aaron Rodgers. And I considered Aaron Rodgers the best thrower of the football I've ever seen. Patrick Mahomes is that guy, though, now. He's the best quarterback there is, ever. I'm not saying he's going, I'm not going to call, I think there's a difference between greatest and best. You know, Brady obviously have a, has five more Super Bowls than him right now, and a lot of, a lot of the records. I'm, I, but I will call Mahomes the best quarterback I've ever seen. He's the best, plain and simple. And this is, uh, I don't like to say dynasties for only two titles so far, but let's just think, by the time he's 27, they have two championships. I would guess that he can play at this high of a level, for the next 10 years, people are going to say, well, what about if the mobility is going to go away? Okay, well, let's go back to some stats. The Chiefs are undefeated, undefeated, when Patrick Mahomes throws 90% of his passes in a game from the pocket. He can be a pocket passer. It's not a problem. That's never been an issue. That's a made-up thing. It's a made-up thing to try to critique him, right? It's a made-up story. Made up. It's completely false. You're wrong. Stop saying it because you look stupid every time you say it. Because all I got to do is figure out, oh, what are, what are the facts actually though? Okay, well, the facts is they win every game when he throws nine out. When, if, he throws, you know, if he throws nine out of his ten passes, 90% of his balls, when are, they are thrown from the pocket, the Chiefs are undefeated. Stop telling me that he's not good when he stays in the pocket. You're wrong. Uh, wrong. You're wrong. And stop saying it because you look foolish.
All right? So 10 years he can play at this level. Maybe even longer if he doesn't have, you know, if he doesn't have an injury or, you know, maybe he can play till he's 40 at this level. So let's say 13 more years. I would say out of I would say out of 13 years cuz that's 40. I think that's a real limit. I'm going to go 39. So 12 years he has left in my opinion playing at a high level. I'd be stunned if they don't win three more. Stunned. Because remember what people called this year for the Chiefs. And I I won't let people forget it because people are like, "Oh, why are the Chiefs saying they're the underdogs? Well, let's forget. And this is just ESPN. I don't know about the rest. First off, I know before the game, everyone picked the Eagles on the pick'em before the game on Fox. On ESPN, three of the 33 people that picked the AFC champion only picked – three of them only picked the Chiefs. Two of them only picked the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl. So they were doubted because this was called, quote-unquote, a rebuilding year because they traded Tyreek Hill. They were playing a ton, ton of young guys, right? They went 14-3 and three and won the Super Bowl with all these youngsters, Correct. How are they not only going to get better now? These youngsters just got the most valuable experience you can have. They played and won a Super Bowl. They are going to get even better. And they have most of these guys on rookie deals for three to five years. They're only going to get better. It's, I would be shocked if in the next 12 years they don't win three. I'd be shocked. And three might be light. He's the best by far. There's not a single guy. I said this on the last one. If Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes, right, they were in that AFC title game. Let's say Burrow was on the Chiefs and Burrow had lost Kadarius Toney, Michael Hardman, and Juju Smith-Schuster for the whole game, right? And Patrick Mahomes had those receivers for the Bengals. The Bengals would have won by three touchdowns with Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes played for the Chiefs, who had three of their top receivers go down, and they won. Okay, so let's not, let's not go crazy. One... Patrick Mahomes is one, and there is a massive, massive gap. Massive, massive gap between one and two right now. Easily. Not even close. So let's get into my top 16 quarterbacks post-Super Bowl 57. And you'll get some recency biased in here, and this list may change. Um, but I'm, uh, I'm going to get started at number one. Number one, Patrick Mahomes. Easily. If you don't have Mahomes at one, you are... I'm not even going to say it. You're, you're a little... You're a little uh, you either hate Patrick a lot... Or you don't know football if you don't have Patrick Mahomes, the best quarterback in the NFL right now. And by a landslide, right? It's not close. So two, I'm going Joe Burrow. I think, I, like I said, I would have picked, picked the Bengals to win the Super Bowl if they would have won. I said, I said in the podcast, the winner of Chiefs Bengals, I think I'll pick to win the Super Bowl. I would pick Joe Burrow. I think he's second best. Josh Allen for me at three. Slightly ahead of Jalen Hurts at four. Um, I was having a discussion with my buddy, man. I mean... I think Jalen Hurts is almost as good as Allen, but he, he takes care of the ball a little better. I know he had the fumble, but he takes care of the ball a little better than Josh Allen, and that worries me. But I am going to keep Josh Allen at three for now. I'm not going to go too recency biased. I am going to keep Josh Allen at three, Jalen Hurts at four. I'm going Aaron Rodgers at five because, first off, I think, you know, Aaron Rodgers was put in a tough spot. He stayed in Green Bay, and they traded away his best receiver, and he was with a lot of young guys and guys that aren't put in big spots. Um, so I think Aaron Rodgers, whoever he plays next year, it could be the Raiders, it could be the Dolphins, it could be the Jets. He's going to go to a better scenario. The Jets have Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore, Corey Davis, a good running game, a really good O-line, an unbelievable defense. He goes to the Raiders, Hunter Renfro, Deron Waller, Devontae Adams. He goes to the Dolphins, uh, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, possibly Gusecki, great weapons, right? I think Aaron Rodgers is going to have a huge year next year, wherever he's at. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, I'm going at six. I love Trevor. Uh, he had an unbelievable end of the season. It was a shaky start, but him and Doug Peterson, they're going to be a duo for a long time, and they're going to wreak havoc in the AFC for a long time. 
I'll go Justin Herbert at seven. I used to be way higher on Justin Herbert. I don't know. I just think this year he kind of tur- it turned me off this year. I don't. I just didn't see that killer instinct, killer mentality. I don't know what it was with Herbert, but I still have him as a top seven quarterback. He's still very talented, but I got to see more from him next year. I'm going Lamar Jackson at eight. Um, people can say that's a little low. Maybe it's too high for some people. Uh, I know he was he was playing really well before the injury. I thought. Um, so yeah, I love Lamar. And uh, I think he bounces back next year in a huge way. Nine, a guy that didn't get to play much this year at all, Matt Stafford. I'm going Matt Stafford at nine. I think if – now this is me going off of him having that repair on his elbow and that he's going to be fine. If he's not, then we could be in trouble. This could be a bad look when it comes to next year if I have him in my top ten. Ten, I'm going to Sean Watson. I think another year under Stefanski, I think that offense is going to look a lot better next year. I think he's going to play a lot better next year. Whole offseason under – Stefanski in that offense. I think Watson's going to be tremendous. I am going Kyler Murray at 11. Uh, really 11 to 15 for me. 16 was a toss-up between Tua. I have two at 16. Him and Fields were my battle for 16. But they were set at 16. My 11 through 15 really could go either way. I went Murray at 11. I'm going Dak at 12. I know people are going to kill me for having over Russell Wilson probably. But I have Russell Wilson at 13. I have Derek Carr at 14. Kirk Cousins at 15. And Tua Tagovailoa at 16. Let me grab one more drink before we get into UFC 284. Okay, UFC 284. Islam Volkanovski. Um, what a fight it was. One of the best fights I've ever seen. Especially just the buildup for pound for pound one versus pound for pound two. And it delivered and really didn't even just deliver. It exceeded expectations. I mean... What a fight. So on the night of the fight, I think I wasn't, I didn't know because I was watching as such a fan because I'm not really a, I don't really care for Islam, but I don't dislike him. I mean, I, I mean, I do, I guess, but I, I don't really care for either guy. I like, I like watching Volkanovski fight. He's not like one of my favorites. So I was just watching as a pure fan. Like, oh my God, this is awesome. Number one pound for pound versus number two pound for pound. This is awesome. Um, I think as the fight went on, I thought in my mind, Going into the fifth, I had Islam 3-1. I did. I think I had 1-2-4 and four for Islam. And I had 3 for Volk. And then obviously, Vol- to me, the clearest round... Well, no, the two clearest rounds... I honestly thought the last three rounds were very clear. Volkanovski round 3, Islam round 4, and Volkanovski round 5 with a knockdown and then on top for the last minute. Those were clear. Rounds 1 and 2 were very tight. Very, very tight. Islam did an unbelievable job on the feet, and I think that was, I don't think that was like, I think Islam is good at striking, like his striking is developing at a rapid level, um, but I think it was more, Volk getting clipped was more because he was, he knew that I'm probably going to have to eat some shots to also be prepared to stuff the takedown, right? And he did that. That was the shocking thing. Islam did so well on the feet. Volkanovski did um, so well in the grappling department. I'm sure we have, let's go UFC or... Islam versus Volkanovski. Can we get the copy box numbers? Okay, so here we go. Copy box numbers. Significant strikes, right? Alexander Volkanovski, 70 to 57, and he had one knockdown to no knockdown for Islam. Total strikes landed 164 for Volkanovski, 95 for Islam. Four for nine on takedowns for Islam. Uh, in seven minutes of control. Um, so that was huge, right? Islam, to me, did a 
Unbelievable job, though. Volkanovski, to me, he was so Islam landed of his of the significant strikes. Thirty six of them were to the head, eighteen to the body, and three to the leg. Um, the distance strikes were forty five for Islam, 80, 58 for uh, Volkanovski. Right? Volkanovski was had landed thirty seven headshots, twenty one to the body, twelve fourteen to the leg. I thought Volkanovski could have kicked more. I really do. I think, uh, and I, I just, I don't know if he was scared to get caught with a, you know, getting the leg caught and getting taken down, which is a fear for sure. Um, but so significant strikes per round. Okay, so here I had a round four was obviously kind of a dud round because it was Islam on his back, which people out there are saying that Volkanovski should have taken that round. Stop. He had his back for three and a half minutes. He definitely did not. So round one and two are the rounds up to debate for me going into the rewatch. I knew that I would probably have uh, Volkanovski three and five, Islam four. I had round one for Islam. I thought he was a little better in that round. He did get caught, but he also hurt. I thought he hurt Volkanovski worse in that round. Round two, I gave to Volkanovski slightly. Uh, Both rounds were slightly. I did give it to Volkanovski. So my round by round judging, I had round one, 10-9 Islam. Round two, ten nine Volk. Round three, ten nine Volk. Round four, ten nine Islam. And round five, ten nine Volk. I did score forty eight forty seven for Volkanovski. I thought he won the fight. I did think he won the fight. Razor tight though. And if somebody if somebody comes to me and's like, no, dude, I have Islam round two and round one and then round four. I'd be like, okay, I get that. It was so close. Round one and two were so close. Can also I don't understand. I, okay, forty nine forty six. Actually, it is a bad scorecard, right? It looks like a bad scorecard. Because how would you get... I don't get how you can give round three to Islam. I don't. It's a terrible card. I could have understood if all three judges scored at 48-47 Islam. I'd probably be sitting here, you know, more level-headed about it that they gave... Okay, they gave Islam three rounds to two. I can live with that. The one judge giving 49-46 was criminal. But just going back and watch, I thought Volk got him in round two. I thought it was an edge. And I thought Islam edged him in round one. But those two rounds were so close. If you had Islam in both... Even if you have Vulcan both, I wouldn't really argue they were that close of rounds. Um, but yeah, it was an unbelievable fight, and uh, I hope they do it again at some point. Maybe, maybe next, but we'll see what happens. So let's get into my pound-for-pound pound top 11 UFC fighters. Okay, so I kept Volkanovski at one after rewatching the fight because I thought he won. And I do mine a lot different. I don't go off just because you're a champion. You should be ranked over somebody also, though. Like, I do not have Leon Edwards ranked over two welterweights in my pound for pound. I have Islam Mahachev at two, clearly. I have Israel Adesanya at three. Kamaru Usman at four. Colby Covington at five. Um, Leon Edwards at six. Charles Oliveira at seven. Robert Whitaker at eight. Cyril Gaon at nine. Aljamain Sterling, 10. And Brandon Moreno, 11. Yes, John Jones not in here. If he wins, he will obviously jump to the top of the line, either, you know, probably in the top three. No, I do not. And so I'm missing. I don't have Jamal. I love Jamal Hill right outside and Alex Pereira right outside as two UFC champions. But I have, let's see, I have the flyweight champion. I have the bantamweight champion, the featherweight champion, the lightweight champion, the and the uh, uh, welterweight champion in my top 10. And then I have the rightful number one contender, Cyril Gaon, in my top 10. But yeah, th- that would be my top 11. I don't go all, I don't like, because people do such cliche list. Like, oh, well, he's... He's the champion. He's got to be in the top 10. I don't think he does. I don't think Jamal Hill or Alex Pereira are better pound-pound fighters than anybody on this list. I really don't. I really, really don't. Uh, 
Um, that's just the way I do it. I go off who I think is actually pound for pound the best. I don't just throw champions in there because they're champions. Um, but let's go with what's next <clears throat> for some of the main fighters. So Alonzo Menafield and Jimmy Crute had a draw because Menafield got a point deducted. So number one, I said you could run it back for either guy. If not, Menafield, Devin Clark, who's coming off a win, could be a good one. And Jimmy Crute, uh, Dustin Jacoby, who's coming off a loss. That could be a good one. For Justin Toffo, got a first-round knockout. I went Chris Barnett. That could be just an exciting-ass fight. Or the first fight for Muhammad Usman, Kamara's brother at heavyweight. I think that could be good as well. Randy Brown. I went Max Griffin or Phil Rowe. Either one of those. Um, for Jack De La Maddalena, he's asking for a top guy. So I threw Vicente Luque in there as the number one option. That could They could maybe say that might be rushing him a little. So Neil Magny, who's right inside the top 15, I have as the second option. Josh Emmett, if he stays fighting, I went Brian Ortega. Um, and then I went number two, though, if not Ely Taporia, because Taporia could be looking for a bigger name. Josh Emmett could retire, though. He is 37, 38, so we'll see. Yair, um, Volkanovsky, if he's still, if he's wanting to come back down, or if he's wanting, hey, Volkanovsky might take some time off, though, too. So uh, Yair could get an interim title defense, and I put number two, the winner of Holloway and Arnold Allen would be mine. For Volkanovsky, it's either Islam or Yair, right? Um, I think he, he's going to push for the rematch for sure. I don't know if it'll get done. And then I think Yair Rodriguez, though, makes sense if he chooses to go back down. For Islam Mahachev. So I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the number one option I have last. So it's either going to be Volkanovski. Realistically, it's going to be either Volkanovski or it's going to be Oliver Dariush winner. Another curveball option I have. This guy's a welterweight, but he walks around probably about 175, 177 pounds. He's not big for the division. He's actually relatively small. He probably weighs less than most of the top he walks around at less weight than most of the top lightweights colby covington is Lamahachev, i think is the fight to make if you're not going to run back volkanovsky and Oliver and dariush aren't fighting till may a june july covington is Lamahachev fight come the fuck on that would be bonkers i would love that fight that is what i would make chel sonnen's been calling for it colby's boy i think it makes a ton of sense uh, I think, you know, UFC doesn't know what to do with Colby at welterweight because they don't really want to put him in a number one contenders fight because what if Usman wins? Then you could be looking at Usman Covington 3 when he has two losses. I think they're really waiting to see what happens with Edwards and uh, Usman. If Edwards wins, Colby might be next in line for the title. But if not, I mean, Colby, Islam walks around, I bet Islam walks around 185, 187, and he's probably 10 pounds heavier than Colby walking around weight. I think the fight makes sense. I think Colby and Islam would be an unbelievable fucking fight, dude. Unbelievable fight. And that's what I would do next. So let's get into LeBron is the all-time leading scorer in NBA history. What is the significance of it? Well, significance is it proves what I've been saying all along. LeBron, the pass-first guy, is still the greatest scorer in NBA history. Right? He's still the, he is the greatest scorer in NBA history. There's no questions about it. He's the all-time leading scorer. He's the best scorer in NBA history. Yes, Jordan averaged four more points a game than him on four more shots. Um, so I, I think LeBron is a better pure scorer. Um, I think if LeBron won, I mean, look at the last two years, 30 points a game. Like, I think when LeBron wants to be a scorer, he can easily be a 30 a game guy, 32 a game guy for sure. I think it's just more icing on the cake. I mean, I called him the goat in 2016. I said that he had to get over when he went back to Cleveland, if he could get over the mountaintop and win Cleveland a title, he'd be the greatest player of all time. It just so happened to be that he led the greatest comeback of all time. And so that really just put it out there for me. Everything else has been icing on the cake. The title in LA, um, you know, breaking Kareem scoring record. It's all icing on the cake, man. He's the greatest player of all time. And we're going to go through. I, I, this, is me, this is me gloating a little. 
you know, I'm going to go through the resume, and I'm probably missing some stuff, but I picked out a lot of good ones. So LeBron James' resume, the all-time leading scorer in NBA history. He's a four-time NBA champion and a four-time finals MVP. He is a four-time league MVP that was robbed of about three to four more. He should be at minimum six, probably seven or eight, though. He's the only player in NBA history with three finals MVPs on three different teams. He is also number four all-time in assist. He's the only player in NBA history in, in the top five all-time for points and assist. Man, that, that's a, that is a eyeball stat. He's the all-time leading scorer in NBA history, and he's number four in assist, top five in both. Only player to ever do it, right? Eyeball stat. Only player to lead a team back from a 3-1 deficit in NBA Finals history. Only player. Greatest defensive play in NBA history, right? LeBron is, as a play, you think of the block. That's a, he's the greatest defensive player in NBA history. The block that ended up leading to Kyrie's game-winning three and the Cavs winning the title and him hitting a free throw to ice it. 19-time NBA All-Star. So only one time his rookie year he did not make the All-Star team. 13-time, going on 14-time All-NBA first team, three-time second team, and two-time third team. Five-time All-Defensive first team, but he's bad at defense. One-time second team. He's a two-time Olympic gold medalist. He has the most triple doubles in NBA Finals history, right? Over Magic. Only player to ever average a triple-double in NBA Finals history. Only player. Most playoff wins in NBA history. Oh, and this one might be my favorite. Most game-winning buzzer beaters in NBA playoff history. But he's not clutch. He just has the most buzzer beaters. But he's not clutch, though, right? You bozos. That is the resume of the greatest player of all time. Easily the greatest player of all time. And it's not even close. It's not. Don't debate it. Just debate two, three, and maybe four. Don't debate one, though. It's not, it's not an argument. I won't, even, I won't even entertain it anymore. I'm like, say what you want. I don't care. I know. You know deep down and just piss you off so bad that he is the greatest player of all time. I know. It's sickening. It's sickening, isn't it? It's sickening that LeBron James, and I, and I think more people came to the realization when he broke the scoring title. Most people came to the realization then. I came to it about six, seven years ago. He's the greatest player of all time, and now it's just more icing on the cake. The, the scoring record really just pushed people the other way over to the LeBron side because it's true. He's the greatest player to ever play this game, and it's not really close. So let's get into the 6.0 2023 NFL mock draft post-Super Bowl, how I would do it. Let me grab one more drink after that LeBron resume. That was, that was, I know that was sickening for some of you to hear. Okay. So Bears at one. I'm going Jalen Carter, the interior defense lineman. I think that him and Will Anderson are the two best players in the class. I think it's harder to find interior defense alignment, though, um, than it is uh, an edge. A special interior D lineman against a special edge. Give me the special interior D lineman. I will have my mock track nef- next week, actually, just because it's been talked about a little bit, will be the Bears trading Justin Fields and taking a quarterback at one. What can they get? Texans at two. I'm going C.J. Shroud. I think he's the best quarterback in the class out of Ohio State here at two. At three, I'm going Cardinals take Will Anderson, the edge out of Alabama. Dream for Arizona. Four, Colts. They're going Bryce Young, who I think is the second best quarterback out of Alabama. Seattle. I'm going Tyree Wilson. I like his upside a little more than Miles Murphy out of Texas Tech. I'm going him at five. And then I got the Lions taking Miles Murphy, the edge out of Clemson at six. I mean, their edge is now Miles Murphy and Aiden Hutchinson for the next 10, 12 years. Money. 
Raiders, you could all obviously say quarterback. I think they land a really good vet. So I'm going Paris Johnson, the offensive tackle out of Ohio State. I do think they land a Rodgers or a Garoppolo type. I truly do. Um, Falcons. I'm going Christian Gonzalez, the corner out of Oregon. Panthers at nine. They get Will Levis, the uh, quarterback out of uh, cornerback out of Penn State. Oh no, quarterback out of Kentucky. Sorry, the next one is the Eagles at ten, getting Joey Porter Jr., the cornerback out of Penn State. Think their corners were a little, uh, you know, got a little uh, shaky in that Super Bowl, right? Um, so I, I like Joey Porter. 11, the Titans. I'm going Broderick Jones. I think Taylor Lewan probably getting cut. So I'm going Broderick Jones, the tackle out of Georgia. Texans, you got your quarterback in Stroud. How about his buddy, Jackson Smith and Jigba, the wide receiver out of Ohio State? I think they trade Brandon Cooks. Jets, I'm going uh, Peter Skoronsky, the tackle out of Northwestern. Patriots, I'm going Devon or Devin, I don't know, Witherspoon. I can't remember how, what, how it's pronounced. Uh, cornerback out of Illinois. <coughs> At 15, Packers, I'm going Jordan Addison, wide receiver to UFC. Whether it's Love or Rodgers, get a weapon. 16, Redskins, I'm actually going Anthony Richardson here, the quarterback out of Florida. Steelers, I'm going Brian Brice, the interior D lineman out of Clemson. Lions with their second pick, they go defense again, this time a corner. Keeley Ringo, the corner out of Georgia. Ton of upside. A lot to work on, too, though. Buccaneers, this would have probably been Anthony Richardson if I would have had him falling. But I'm going Nolan Smith, the edge out of Georgia. Seahawks, I'm going Trenton Simpson, the interior linebacker out of Clemson. Ravens, Quentin Johnston, the wide receiver out of TCU. Chargers at 22 take Michael Mayer, the tight end out of Notre Dame. Vikings go Cam Smith, the corner out of South Carolina. Jaguars go Anton Harrison, the tackle out of Oklahoma. Giants go Jalen Hyatt, the wide receiver out of Tennessee. Cowboys, I'm doing it. Bijan Robinson running back out of Texas. Bills go Brian Branch, the safety out of Alabama. Bengals go Osiris Torrance, the interior alignment out of Florida. Saints go Zay Flowers, wide receiver out of Boston College. So this is my first time. I, th- I think this might be my first time having five wide receivers in the first round. Um, and then I'm going Eagles take Lucas Van Ness, the edge out of Iowa. And the Chiefs go Isaiah Foskey, the edge out of Notre Dame. So that'll do it. I'll read off the standings after last week for uh, KB and the boys. Um... Let's see, let's see, let's see. So after last week, um, Parlay fell to 0-6, missed it by one leg, I believe. Um, Colby is sitting at the top 12-6 and after 2-1 and last week. I had a huge bounce back after, I think I started off, what, 5-1, and and then I went three straight weeks of 1-2. and Got a 3-0 week, though. I'm 11-7 and in second. Schmidt went 2-1, and he's 9-9. and Carter went 2-1, and he's 8-10. Nick fell to 5-13 and at 0-3. Like I said, panel Parlay is 0-6. For season two, uh, mortal lock records. I'm three and zero. Colby one and zero. Schmidt zero and one. We'll be back either Friday or Saturday morning with that. But yeah, that was a good pod. I, I you know I wanted just kind of for having the Super Bowl and big UFC two eighty four. Kind of wanted to just you know dive down on the topics. LeBron breaking the record, a mock draft, top sixteen quarterback stuff like that. But yeah, we'll be back Friday or Saturday with KB and the boys, and next Tuesday or Wednesday with uh, unedited. Thank you guys for listening. Peace.